So the good thing about money is that almost everything is fixable with it. If you have made past money mistakes, you can fix it. So regardless if you have debt, if you have bad credit, it can be fixed. But there's two things you need for it to be fixed. It's Kate and JJ and welcome back to Heart of Dating. Hey, today we get to invite one of my very best friends, Sarah Kurtenbach onto the show. We're talking about finances and debt and dating. And this is a topic we've really never covered. So I know I'm pumped about it. This will be a lot of fun because there's just lots and lots of red flags and things to take note of here. (laughs) And Sarah is the expert to tell you about it. Let me tell you, you are going to get to know her and you're going to love her. She is incredible. So before we get into that, just a few announcements. We have a goal to hit 300 patrons by the end of September. Will you guys help us meet that goal? Go to heartofdating.com forward slash Patreon. If you didn't know, Heart of Dating Conference, the dates and the location has officially been announced. Let's go. We are going to be in Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, we're coming home. We're going to the honky tonk, Nashville, Tennessee for New Year's, y'all. New Year's this year, December 29th and 30th. It's going to be a two-day conference. Tickets will be back on sale September 18th for Early Bird. And last time we did sell out in person. So I just got to say, take advantage of it. Mark your calendars for September 18th. It is going to be amazing. It's going to be popping. Let's go. I can't can't wait. wait. Oh my gosh, y'all. If you haven't been to conference, like you got to do it. You have to come. Last thing is next month in a few weeks, we are actually relaunching our school of dating program. It's our eight week intensive. You can sign up for a call with JJ, find out more about it. All you have to do is go to joinschoolofdating.com. You can sign up for the wait list and jump on a call with JJ. It's the best. I've been getting a lot of calls. It's been great. <laughs> and they're great. So the waitlist is definitely filling up. People are like trying to get in the class before it goes live. And so if you guys are interested, go ahead and book it with me. Uh, we know this is a big investment, but yeah. we just want people to feel comfortable and really, really supported in a big decision like this. It's yeah. And so book that call with JJ. So you can fi- ask literally any question you want. We want you guys to feel confident. Okay, now we have a question from Haley in our community. Let's hear it. Hey, Kate. So my question is about long distance. It seems that every time I get to know someone through especially dating apps, and I even have put it on my profile about how I'm completely open to long distance. I actually don't mind it at all. Um, I get to know a guy and then he suddenly is like, I don't think it's going to work the distance. And then he backs out. Don't you believe that the guy that God has for you would do whatever it takes to pursue you and meet you halfway even? Thanks. Great question, Haley. Thank you for this one. We are massive fans of long distance. And for those of you that don't know, we have a free long distance guide on our website. Um, It's completely free. It's one of our best guides. So we'll link it here on YouTube if you're watching. Uh, And, you know, Haley, the thing is, you are right. The right man whose heart is ignited for you, he won't see long distance as this horrible barrier between you. 
And the also reality with long distance is you want somebody who's willing to put in the work and effort to communicate because long distance does take some extra work. But if this person is committed and they're ignited for you and they want to pursue a relationship seriously, it's not going to scare them to have to focus on communication. That being said, one of my favorite things about long distance is it takes two to tango. That's true. Meaning if they're not open to it, well, they're probably not going to be open to it. And that's okay. It's not for everyone. And a lot of people have this idea that ju they just want to date locally. Mm. While I might not agree with that, that is how they stand. And until they change or find a person worth changing for, they're not going to change. So you can't convince them. If they're not up for it, you can never convince a man to do it. He's going to need his therapist, his coach, people speaking into his life, telling him to do that. But you should not be the person at all convincing him to do long distance. All right, guys. Thanks for that question, Haley. Now we're going to jump into the episode with Sarah. Let's go. Well, we have one of my best friends in the entire world today, Sarah Kurtenbach on. What's up, girl? Hey, KJJ. I love you guys. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> and we love you. Miss Excellent. My, our friend Mika, I call Sarah just the most excellent person she's ever met. <laughs> Well, I feel so honored. I think I should talk to you guys every day and Mikai every day so I can have this level of confidence. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, like you were telling, we were talking last night, we were FaceTiming and JJ was explaining how when Mikai talks about you, explain what Mikai says. Mikai is like everything she does and she touches is excellent. <laughs> just the way she dances, the way she talks, the She's way like she points. Awe. She's like, it's just excellent. Everything. <laughs> I need to be kind of my pocket all day. <laughs> I know Mika's I like enamored by you. Mika's like, I have a major girl crush on Sarah. I know. I remember at my bachelorette last year, she was saying that like all the time. She's like, she's just, just so excellent. Like just amazing. I'm like, <laughs> I love it. But you truly are. And girl, we go so far back. I mean, we've known each other at least 10 years now, right? I over feel 10 like. years. Yeah, yeah over probably more 10 like 12. Years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, back in the days of New York City when we both lived there and you were balling it up as a VP of a, a Facebook advertising company. Um, was so cool. And I was working in fashion, way different times. You are still doing some of those things, but it's just you're not living there anymore. And now... Well, not now. I feel like it's like been a long time since you met Chad. It's not like it happened like a year ago or two. You guys have been married eight. How many years? Eight, eight years. years. You knew. Yes. Go Kate. <laughs> you know, I was like, it's not seven. I think it's eight. Yes. <laughs> eight years. I remember when you had your wedding in Sioux Falls and I was like, they're getting married in February in Sioux Falls. What is happening? <laughs> but I was like, this is also I'm so excited for this wedding. And Chad is just uh, like, I think JJ has a little bit of a man crush on, J on I Chad. I mean, let's just say I feel the same way about Chad that Mikai feels about Sarah. I'm like, <laughs> this guy is perfect. I'm like, he is my Ken. Yeah, he is my Ken. <laughs> well, also, you and Chad really grow out when it comes to football. So there is a big oh, yeah. compati compatibility there with you guys. That's true. That's true. I, I thought I knew 
why I loved him for some reason. Um, well, I mean, speaking of being excellent, I can't wait to get into today's episode. I think Sarah, especially as a, a female, which might receive the stereotype as being the spender or not great with money. I love the fact that you are a girl boss and you are one who says, no, 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 no. I'm actually great with money, and I love to even teach women about how to be great with money. So could you let everybody know maybe a little bit of background about what you're doing today, why it's a special, and why you're even on a podcast talking about money. With Move Her Money, let's go. Yeah, I want to hear. Yes, I am so excited for this. So I transitioned my entire career this year. Prior to this year, as Kate mentioned, I was a VP at a Facebook tech company in New York City. And then I started my own consulting company and I did that for eight years. And then now I've launched a new company called Move Her Money. And we provide online curriculum to high school and college age girls. And it's all focused on teaching them how to become financially independent women and how to avoid the biggest money mistakes. So I am all about financial literacy and I'm all about teaching women, singles, what they need to know about money so that they can be financially secure and financially independent. Let's go. It's so good. So all of our single parents listening, um, because we have a lot, please go check out Move Her Money. This is amazing for your kids. We have a lot of Gen Zers that listen to this podcast now and shout out to Gen Z because when we checked the numbers, we were like, whoa, Gen Z is showing up and they're listening to the pod. We couldn't believe it that they listen to podcasts. We were pumped. We're we're very impressed. So Gen Zers get this, get, get this right. Like this is the stuff I wish I had too. like my parents tried, but they definitely, I, I didn't really do. They didn't, I don't think they were doing it too seriously as seriously as maybe they should have. And I definitely made some big money mistakes in my life, but you know, money and finances comes up a lot. Uh, in dating. And I think it's one big red flag in dating, like the misuse of money or having extreme debt and how to handle these these things and how to even spot signals that somebody may be really bad with money. So I want to get into all that. But first, I'd love to hear about your story about different financial things with guys. I know you have one from the past. I'm very familiar with it. Um, but and then I know some things with Chad to your current husband. So I'd love to just pass it to you because I want to hear that. Yes, I am. This is such a good topic to talk about, guys, because money is a pillar in someone's life. Whether if you are single, dating or married, it's going to be a pillar in your life until you're no longer on this earth and in heaven. So we got to figure out how to manage money. My first experience of dating and finances happened when I was 27. So at that time, I was living in New York City and Kate was one of my besties. So Kate, let's take a trip down memory lane, right? Oh my gosh, um, I'm remembering all the things. I'm back. <laughs> so I had been in, in a relationship with a man for three years. And when you date someone for three years, you really see a future with them, right? I, I saw a future with this guy that I was dating. Never once while I was dating him was money or finances ever a concern. And the reason why is because we never talked about it. Right, never, there you go. We never talked about it. And when you don't talk about something... What is there to be concerned about? I was living in New York City. He was living in California. So we had a long distance relationship. And one day he calls me up and he, in essence, spills the truth to me of where he actually was financially. And he says, Sarah, I've gotten, I've gotten myself into a lot of financial trouble. I have been unable to pay my bills for months. I'm so far behind in everything. Would you be willing to loan me money so I can just pay my bills? 
And I was completely shocked, you guys. I thought that he was doing fine financially, you know? And so I did not see this coming at all. Um, and then he also said, he said, well, you know, Sarah, if you were in this situation, I would do this for you. Oh my oh, goodness. He made me feel very obligated um, and kind of pressured me to loan him money. So I told him that I just needed a day to think about it because again, I was very shocked. I wasn't ready to say yes right away. So I thought about it for a day. And during that time, typically in my life, when I have to make a big decision, whether it's about my career or finances or relationships, I typically seek out guidance. I will call a mentor. I'll call my parents who are incredible mentors to me. In this situation, I called no one and I didn't tell anyone about it. And the reason why is because I was embarrassed and ashamed for both him and for me. So I guess maybe that, that's a, a key thing to take away for singles here is if, if you're ever in a situation and you don't seek out mentorship or guidance from anyone because you're embarrassed or ashamed, that is something that you really need to that's think That's a red flag. Yeah. Well, it happens to all of us because like you said, Sarah, you were embarrassed for him and yourself. Like I'm dating a guy who's so financially broke right now. He's asking me to cover his rent. If I say like... Tell me if I'm wrong. If I call a mentor up and I have to share this information, it makes me look like a fool that I'd be even dating this guy. And yes. I've been dating him for three years. And this is the first time I'm like hearing about any of that information. Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. They'd be like, well, have you guys not talked about money before? How did this just come up? So I thought about it for a day. I decided I would loan him the money. So the next oh. day I transfer thousands of dollars into his account. Oh, no. And then shortly after that, literally about a week or two after that, I really felt the Holy Spirit and God telling me, you need to end this relationship. This is not the man that you were supposed to be with. Um, and so I, I, followed, I followed the Holy Spirit and I ended that relationship and I never saw that money again. So, oh my you know, goodness. You know, he promised like I will pay you back. Um, but he never paid me back. Um, that that point is mute. So that was a huge learning lesson for me, you guys, because it really taught me, wow, something that I never brought up in a relationship and something that then I never sought out mentorship or guidance for became a breaking point and an ending point to this relationship. Uh, I mean, I I have questions like, do, would you say your financial literacy and your relationship with money, like, was that something that you were good with up until that point? I know like you're a VP, you're in New York City, like you're obviously dealing with a lot of money and awesome salary, high living expenses. Were you just kind of spending and money was like monopoly money and this wasn't a big deal, but after this, like financially, like you're like, this taught you a big lesson or... Where exactly do you stand as you look back on this kind of story in your life? Yeah, so I consider myself one of the lucky ones where my parents started teaching me teaching me about money when I was in fourth grade. So they taught me starting in fourth grade how to be financially independent and so many components of money. So at that time when I was then 27 and I went through this situation with um, my the guy I was dating, I myself was very, very financially secure. And it was because someone taught me about money. This is why financial literacy and learning about money in your younger years and as a single is so important because I was in a place where I could pay for his bills and be completely fine. But because I had set myself up that way, but it, what it revealed to me is it revealed to me that he was purposely making choices 
hiding things from me and making mistakes that was going to not only impact him, but impact me significantly and impact our relationship and what kind of a marriage we could have. Well, it's awesome that it didn't devastate you, right? Like you were financially secure enough that you could afford to take a loss on that loan. It's just right. as a write-off. <laughs> yeah, can right. you write-off? That would be so, yeah. Hey, can I at least get some, donation. Uh, some charity <laughs> information here so I can write it off? But more importantly, you know, I think what I love is, and you have a great story too, anecdotally, like what are maybe some of those red signs in that dating process that someone is actually worse with money than you might think and maybe signs that you miss specifically? Or questions you should have asked. Right. A hundred percent. So I feel like when you are dating someone, there are three core red flags that are tied to money that you should look out for. So red flag number one, if the person has no money goals or a money plan, this is why this is a, this is why this is a red flag. If someone does not have an aspiration or a goal of where they want to be financially, such as I want to be debt-free by this day. I want to, by the time I'm 40, have a net worth of $1 million. I want to be able to give $20,000 to my church sometime in the future. If they have no goals, do you ever expect them to hit those goals? The answer is no. The answer is no. The average American lives paycheck to paycheck. There's multiple variables as to why they do. I believe one of the variables is because people don't set any financial goals for themselves. And if they don't have any goals, they will never hit them and they will just live status quo their whole life. And they will accept all of that as normal. They'll say living paycheck to paycheck is normal. Having debt is normal. Well, you know what? Normal sucks. I sure don't want a normal life when it comes to money, you know? (laughs) And then tied to that is a plan. So also too, if you were, you know, dating someone and they have this big goal, let's say that they want to have a net worth of $1 million by the time they're 40, but they have no plan to make that happen. Do you also expect them to hit that goal? And that answer they're is like, no. this sounds great. You're like, that sounds great. But if they have no plan, <laughs> yeah. how is that ever going to happen? It's like, no, no, I have a goal. It's like, but what about a plan? I'm like, okay, what about cool. it? So how are you going to get there? That is great. It's because, almost like a dumb and dumber moment. Yeah. It's like a great <laughs> talk the talk, but are you walking the walk? Like, what are you putting into making that goal happen? That's right. Yes. So true. And I feel like that's what was really revealed to me with the previous relationship that I just told that story about because he had goals. He had potential. And I remember talking to my dad one time about him when I really knew that God wanted me to end this relationship And I was kind of making excuses for him. And I'm saying, oh, but dad, he has so much potential. And my dad goes, Sarah, you cannot marry potential. And I didn't. Thank goodness. Thank you, dad. You know, (laughs) so that's the thing, you know, they can have all the potential in the world, but they have, if they don't have a plan and a way to follow that plan, it's never going to happen. Right. They can have, they can even have vision and they can even have potential, but it's like, okay, they actually have to be doing something about it today for me to believe in it. Yes. That's yes. Yeah. So the second red flag then that I would highly consider looking out for while you're dating someone is if they hide their current money situation from you. And the reason why is because in a beautiful, open, God-fearing relationship, there is transparency, right? There is vulnerability You don't hold yourself back from that other person. And that also includes money. 
So if a person that you are dating is hiding things from you of their money situation, their debt, their credit score, whatever it is, that that is a big red flag. Because especially in a marriage, which is a merger, everything that they are or they have becomes you, right? And if they're hiding it from you, then it's not a true, authentic, vulnerable relationship. Now, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what does hiding look like specifically? Is it just withholding information at every point in turn? Is it um, asking questions and they like beat around the bush? Right. Like what would hiding look like? You know, what it look like for you and what do you typically see it look like in relationship? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of just what you guys said. It's never being truly open and honest about where you are. And a lot of it stems to people just may not be where they want to be, right? So they don't really want the person to actually know what's in their bank account or how much debt they have, but it's so important for the other person to know. So either they just don't talk about it, they like completely avoid the conversations, they might change the topic about the conversation, Um, they never want to be able to uh, set up a time to actually talk about money at all. Or maybe they act like they have a lot of money with material things, but actually in their bank account, they live paycheck to paycheck. So, okay. So I'm on date number eight. It's been about two months of dating and I want to get a financial sense of where this person's at. Mm. What's a great way I can kind of gauge it? Like, am I just blunt? What's in your bank account right now? How much (laughs) is in your Roth IRA, your 501? You know, like, what do I say? How do I ask that? Totally. So I feel, first of all, like when it comes to the point where you're going to ask that question, there is no set time or date that works for everyone, right? It's not like on your eighth date or three months in or four months before you propose, like there's no set date. So it's so different for everyone because it really just depends on how mature you guys are, like your, your maturity levels. Um, like really also how deeply in love you guys are like, is this a relationship that's leading down to where you guys could be engaged? Um, so if it is, I recommend having a money conversation when you get to the stage where you really feel like you're falling in love with someone, a hundred percent, you need to have this conversation before engagement for sure. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, totally. Um, And it can be really as simple as just saying to the other person, like, hey, you know, money is such a massive piece and pillar in our life. And I think that it would be great if we just sat down and shared where we are financially with each other so that we can be transparent and be on the same page. Oh, a finance date. A finance date. I mean, you're not interviewing the person, right? You're not going to sit down and be like, so what's your (laughs) paycheck? Like what's in your 401k? I mean, it's not like it is not an What are your investments look like? What do they look like? How are they growing? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, seriously. But I was going to say to Sarah, to that point, like, I think it's so important important to do before engagement because in engagement, you already have the ring on your finger. And that's when so many people focus on the hard conversations. That's when people go to engagement counseling or premarital, which is, which is great. We recommend, but we also actually recommend pre-engagement counseling which for us gave, we did this uh, test called this or this assessment called the Symbus assessment. And that assessment had finances as a part of the curriculum, which yeah, it did like relationship to money or like debt. And no, it had financial conversations. Yeah. Like you forget it. Yeah. I forgot that part. Okay. Well, I mean, it was like two years, (laughs) (laughs) but like we had, like we had to open those dialogues about 
finances, money, like, and I was in a pretty good place, but I still remember being so terrified to have those conversations because money is like such a vulnerable topic. And for me, many years of my life, my financial situation was really bad and I was the paycheck to paycheck person. Mm. And so I was like, oh, like I have to show him this, even though it was not bad. Like I was actually completely debt free at the moment. I had a great credit score, like my income was looking good, but I was still like, Ah, I don't I don't like it was still like nerve wracking to me. I still remember like the days where we had financial discussions and then an engagement where we started getting really real. I was like, ah, but Mm -hmm. just to point out like that, I think it's so important to be honest and vulnerable about that before engagement, like engagement should not be the gateway to having then all these hard private conversations about things like finances, because that is such a big deal. You should know that before you get engaged. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 100%. So when Chad, my husband now, when we met, we met on a blind date and then he proposed eight months after we met on the blind date. So we had a pretty fast run, right? We knew, we knew that we were the one for each other. But about two to three months into our dating relationship was when we first had our fir- uh, a serious financial conversation. And I actually was the one that led that because of what I learned from my past, right? And then before we got engaged, I actually attended a meeting with uh, him with a financial advisor. So I was in New York City at the time. He was living in South Dakota. So I would fly back to visit him. He would fly to me to see me why I flew back to South Dakota one time. And we sat down with his financial advisor to basically now talk about how would us two together in our future, what would our financial plan look like? What are our goals? What would it look like to combine all of our assets together? What's our time frame? I mean, we literally worked out our entire plan before we were engaged and that, and then leading into engagement, we had no money fights. Chad and I have literally never had one fight about money. And the reason why is because we were just so open with, 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 with our conversations and we had the same goals about it. Um, and I feel like if you can lead with those kind of conversations, starting from when you're dating, it could help to eliminate so many money disputes. And as we all know, money disputes are one of the biggest reasons for divorce as it well, is too. The biggest number so open one communication reason. is yeah. so important. That's so good. Okay, so I have two questions for you. But you had didn't you say you had three red flags? Yes. You covered two. Okay, I want to go back to the third one good and then job. I have a follow-up question good about job. Chad and stuff when you, you first met him. Such a good memory, Kate. We could go. <laughs> so like, there's three. We got two. Three. So the third red bunny flag, too, is if someone is too prideful to Mm. seek help or guidance from someone else when it comes to their money. There's very few people that actually can manage their entire portfolio all by themselves that know what the stocks are doing, what international markets are doing, how to invest their 401k, IRA, IRA, their estate plan, like everything. Very few people can do that on your own. You really need a professional to help you and guide you along. So if you are dating someone and if they think if they are just, I guess, ruthless in their ways and they're too prideful saying, I don't need help. I can do this. But in reality, you know, they need help. That also is a red flag because if they don't seek help from a money standpoint, are they going to seek help in other areas of their life? Right? Probably not. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is so, so, so spot on. I think, you know, the reality is number one, I can agree. I know very few guys who financially do their own investments 
and actually do well. And these yeah. guys are much smarter than I am. I'm very, very smart guys. <laughs> and number two, the reality is I remember 10 years ago when FinTech was growing and it was all the rage and Robinhood was coming out and all these things that allowed you to be your own day trader. And people were kind of talking about like financial um, planners, you know, like have they met their end? And the reality is no, because, you know, just how you spend eight hours on your job every single day honing your skill, these guys have spent years and years and every single day doing this for a living. And the second thing, Sarah, is they're not that expensive. Now, this is not like a financial planner, like we don't have anybody to plug at the end of this, but they're really not that expensive. And I think ultimately points to wisdom saying, why should I waste, not waste, but spend all this time and hours when I can get someone to do it for me for a very, very small amount of money. Yeah. Completely. 100%. 100%. You're completely right. I mean, overall, the average fee is 1% of your entire, of everything that they manage for you, which I wow. am a hundred percent willing to pay someone 1%. If it means I get 20% returns on my own, I would probably get 4%, right? So that's why it is totally fine. Also, just having someone who truly is an expert in this space, their goal, their learnings, everything that they have done in their career is to help others become wealthy. That is their goal. No one's going to work with them if this financial advisor doesn't make them wealthy. That's their goal is to make you a wealthy person. I think that someone should have what I call a board of directors for all areas of their life. You need a spiritual board of director, a health board of, board of director. You need a financial board of director. So yes. <laughs> yeah, that, and that one kind of gets, listen, we teach board of directors and the financial aspect honestly gets overlooked. Like it really, really does. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there is a reality of it, find someone who you know is financially more literate, more wise than you. It mm -hmm. doesn't have to be the person at your church who has five businesses, who's super entrepreneurial, who's really, really you just need to find someone who's financially savvy. And usually those people are the, the least flashy uh, around you, ironically, you know, they're like the more frugal folk <laughs> yeah, they're... who are driving their 2003 Honda Civic still. <laughs> Right. Or their Prius. <laughs> right. Or their Prius. Exactly. Hey, I see what you did there. Okay. I know. It's you, baby. Um, <laughs> we like well, to have real men drive a Prius. Yes. That's right. <laughs> no, listen. At the height of my corporate career, like I had enough money to buy whatever car I wanted. Could have been whipping around a Tesla, the new Ford Bronco. I'm like, no, we're doing a Prius. Used. That's right. And we're, hey, functionality over style. JJ's okay. always like secondhand, cheap, like most like conscious, like options all around. I'm like, Good for okay, you, honey. JJ. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks his Prius is so sexy. I love my Prius. <laughs> okay, so I have another question about debt um, because I think that's another big one that a lot of people walk into relationships with. Um, and I, I know that you have some story here as well around debt and relationship. And so I think it's good to talk about what about if somebody is coming into the relationship with debt or maybe a lot of debt, like what is a red flag versus what is like a deal breaker or what is maybe like, okay, I question. can work this out. Like this isn't like, this is, this is like what it is, but it's not the going to destroy us for the rest of our life. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yes. Yeah. So the good thing about money is that almost everything is fixable with it. If you have made past money mistakes, you can fix it. So regardless, if you have debt, if you have bad credit, it can be fixed. 
but there's two things you need for it to be fixed. So you need to have a plan. We've talked so much about having a plan, right? But that's because it's so important. So you need to have a plan of your debt. How are you going to pay it off? How many payments do you need to make? What's the time frame for it? How much more money do you need to make to pay off your debt? You have to have a plan. The second key thing is discipline. You will never pay off your debt if you are not a disciplined person. So now tying that into singleness, if you yourself or if you're dating someone with a lot of debt, this is the question you, you need to ask. Does the person have a plan? Are they disciplined? If so, that's okay. It's okay because they will pay that debt off if they are disciplined enough to stick to the plan. If they have no plan and if they're not disciplined, red flag. It's a red flag because you have no idea when they will ever pay that debt off or what they will do with their money in the future or other things as well, too. So when it comes to debt, that's kind of the way that I look at it. And you, well, oh, I was just going to say, like, for me, before meeting JJ, I actually did have quite a lot of debt because I had a business that dissolved and there was a lot of debt from that um, and plus and, and some other things. And so but when Hardest Dating started growing, there was like one year where I actually started making more significant income. And the first thing I did when I got a big bait paycheck was literally I paid off all my debt. Like when, you know, like I was like, I, I could use this for so many things, but I am literally going to pay off like all my debt in a reasonable amount so that I'm not like being crazy, but like I paid it all off like mm-hmm. within a few months and it was the best feeling in the world to be like, I now am officially debt free. Yes. <laughs> Did you like, do your Dave Ramsey? And I, I was paying it off and I had a plan in general, like, but for me, I hit enough of a big surplus that I was like, okay, I'm just going to pay this off because truly for me, I, this is not something I want to keep thinking about. And I know for me, there's a tendency of, okay, well, I'll just like start upping my payments a little more. And for me, like I could, I, in the past, I wasn't great at money. I was like, no, Kate, you are using this to pay off all your debt. I know it's tempting to like go buy something really big right now. No, you're paying off all the debt. Way to go. Best feeling in the world. I'm so glad. Yeah, I know. I walked into him dating him and I was like I got no debt yo and he was like what (laughs) totally Kate like what you chose to do meant that when God introduced you to your future husband to JJ you truly could be an asset right you had something to bring to the table you had something of value to bring to the table I think it's so important for people as singles to have that type of mentality of I want to be an asset also, when it when it comes to debt, so just to tell um, you guys about a little bit about our debt story. So when Chad and I met, I was similar to you, Kate. I had no debt. Um, I was solid in my career. I had been really strategic about my finances. Chad is an orthopedic surgeon. To become an orthopedic surgeon, you have to go to medical school. I had no idea how expensive medical school was. So he had medical school loans. And I'm not saying... $25,000. I'm saying hundreds of thousands of dollars oh of medical hundreds school and debt. Hundreds, yeah. hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars. Um, and so when, when we first had our money conversation, when we were two to three months in and we're talking about, you know, where we are financially. And he told me that I was shocked. I was shocked because again, I had no clue how much medical school costs. But the thing is, Chad had those two things. He had a plan because he had that solid financial advisor who had worked it out. And also Chad's the most disciplined man that I know. So I was not worried. I was not worried because I knew that we were on track and I knew there was an end date to pay that off. 
talking more about debt too, then we, um, we get married, we buy a plot of land, we start building a home. So we had to take out a mortgage, right, to pay for our homes. Now, if you add in his student loans and you add in our mortgage, we had about $1 million in debt at that oh time. As newly <laughs> Yikes, right? Ooh, I'm like, one. that number just is making me sweat right now. <laughs> big I'm number. Sweating. I'm sweating right now. Um, so we, at, as newlyweds, we had a lot of debt. So what we did is, again, we sat down with our financial advisor and we worked out a plan with him where he automated everything for us. So he automated our investments, our 401ks, our IRAs, our bills, everything that we would need to be automated was automated to set us up for a nice retirement. And then he says, whatever is left in your checking account is to use to your discretion. I said, our discretion is paying off debt, baby. Let's go, you know? So we just started hammering that debt and we paid it off in less than six years. And Kate, you know, when you make that final payment and you don't owe a cent to anyone, it is a level of freedom and security and comfort that you just cannot replicate almost anywhere yeah. else. It's the it's best an amazing feeling. feeling. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's held over your head for so long, especially I was still like living, I was growing more past the paycheck to paycheck, but I was like really struggling still as I started hard at dating and I was working some side jobs. And so for me, it was a really big struggle. And yeah, that moment when I paid it off, I was like, wow, I feel like I, I'm pretty sure I cried and just, yeah, there's such a weight and that burden lifted. Um, and I was so proud to like walk into the relationship with him and be like, I got no debt and my credit score is this baby. Let's go. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, you know, what's funny, number one, as you were just talking both of you about that debt free feeling and relief, mm-hmm. I, I just love the parallelism to our spiritual life especially as Christians mm. and the debt freeness that we get to walk in that forgiveness and the most awesome reality is that you've done nothing, nothing to earn that. Like you have paying off your, you know, money debt, which requires tons of intention, tons of action. You know, I just love the analogy and hearing you yeah. guys rejoice in the same way that we rejoice as Christians for all that we've been forgiven in our eternal debt. Yeah. But number two, you know, your point is so good, Sarah. Here's the reality. Not all debt is equal, right? Not all debt is equal. Medical bill debt is a lot different. For example, I know a couple who's actually financially, uh, because of finances, there's been a ton of stress on their marriage and it's not quite clear whether or not they're going to survive it. Um, she married him and was unaware of just how much debt he had mm. and the debt that he had was over a hundred thousand dollars of IRS debt because he had been running his own businesses and just didn't pay the IRS. Oh, just oh my like gosh. operated under the assumption that, you know, hey, I'm a small business. No way they catch this. I'm just going <laughs> to pocket it. scares me, man. And no, she had no idea. And about she had debt. no idea. It was hidden. Because oh, she didn't think to ask him about his financial debt of a business or, you know, have you been paying the IRS? And right. all of a sudden she finds herself in the second year of marriage. The IRS comes and knocks, delivers them, you know, a note for 120000 And she is like, wait, what? Like you're telling oh me, oh my gosh, that's making me sweat that now too. <laughs> even though both of us, right, are not making much money, we have a hundred and twenty thousand dollars. And she had to work 
they had to work their butts, but she had to step up and work her butt off. And they had to go to Dave Ramsey, work yeah. through it. They finally, it, I think it took them maybe three or four years. Mm. And, and that was by, you know, the beans and rice, the cheap toilet paper. They did not go out to eat for, I think, three or four years. Wow. And, uh, and now I know. Discipline. And now she has frugal habits for life. I mean, it is amazing how she runs her life now. Um, but yeah, it was just the reality of like being really, really transparent. And, you know, when you marry someone, you marry their family, you marry their problems as a single, you marry their trauma and you also marry their debt. Yes. And their financial tendencies. (laughs) Well, one of my, one of my questions too, for singles is if you don't feel comfortable sharing where you are financially with the person you're dating, then you also shouldn't feel comfortable sharing your mind, your heart, your soul, your body with them. Right. Mm, Because those are also all pillars in your life too. So I guess my question is, how are you comfortable sharing all of these other really important, important components of you with him or with her, but you're not focused on sharing money. It just, it has to be all intertwined. Otherwise that could be the kind of situation you come into. And that is a nightmare. Right. Right. So I have a question because this podcast is for singles and you're already mentioning like, I think we should talk about the single who's listening. Who's like, shoot, like I'm not maybe in the greatest spot or some of this is calling me out a little bit. Like Kate and JJ and Sarah, like, okay, you're reading my mail. Like (laughs) what are some of the top ways that a single listening, because we also have a lot of people listening also in ministry, like that don't have very robust um, financial like payments or, or sorry, salaries. And so um, they're like, man, like, it's, it's, it's slim livings for me and it's, it's tough. So like, what are some ways that they can maybe help themselves get ahead financially? Yeah, there are two key things that I really recommend to singles of what they could focus on to help their finances. So number one is to not wait until you fall in love or until you get married to figure out your finances. So let me speak to the girls first. So I cannot tell you, and Kate, maybe you can attest to this too, how many girlfriends I have that just had this assumption that the man they would marry in the future would pay off all their debts, financially take care of them, be the breadwinner of the household. And then these friends married men that were either in a worse financial state than they were, or I have a friend that has a similar story where the government got involved with things that he had done in his past businesses. And it was terrible, terrible. So ladies, don't wait for a man to financially take care of you. You also don't know the timing of your life of when God is going to introduce you to your future spouse. Maybe it'll be when you're 18. Maybe it'll be when you're 45, but you need to figure out your finances before then. And then and speaking to the men. So JJ, let me know about this, but also for men, don't wait until you fall in love with a girl or until you get married to get your own finances in order. It's like, don't be living this bachelor life of, I just have to watch out for me. I can have all the fun that I want because in the future, if you want to get married, you have to be a really good steward of your money to be able to provide for a family, you know, and a wife can obviously provide too. I'm all about women making money. Hey, Hey, but also men shouldn't wait until that point in their life to figure it out. They need to figure it out when they're single. Yeah. For the guys who don't have it going on, listen, that is the number one requirement. Like marriage is hard. If you want to make it 10 times harder, 
throw in financial challenges. Like that is absolutely true. And then for the guys listening who are good with finances, Sarah, you're going to die at this because I just did an episode over um, if you're, you know, dating and thinking about marrying a girl who has an expensive lifestyle or is maybe quote high maintenance. And I was reading on Reddit and they're like, Hey, I've noticed my girlfriend is maybe a spender. I'm a saver. Like, what are some things I can do to kind of prepare for what's ahead if I marry her? <laughs> because JJ got a hold of like some of my beauty budgets and stuff. Like things are just very different. Like the way he lived was like so slim and I wasn't living necessarily ex- excessively, but like some of my beauty and health budgets were definitely on the higher side, way more than he had ever seen in his life. Getting our hair done, nails done, and granted, there were seasons I didn't do all of those things, but before the wedding season, like, oh man, I was definitely getting those things done. She was going hard. I was going ham a little bit before wedding. I mean, it's the one time in your life where you're like, okay, and it was a lot. Well, what's funny is uh, this guy on Reddit goes, here, I have the best advice for you. Every other Friday when that paycheck hits, pay your bills, pay your rent and take whatever money is left over, look at it, feel it, cherish it and then light it on fire because that's what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life if you marry a spender. So just get used to that feeling of watching it burn in front of your eyes. Is that how you feel, JJ? Is that what you're saying? No. (laughs) Yeah, at first, I'm not going to lie. At first, no. At first, it just took a lot of getting used to. And I I genuinely would say, like, if you are good with your money and you're listening to this, like, I'm good, good for you. But number two, just, you know, be prepared to understand, like, you're not going to have the same autonomy uh, and ownership and discretion with your finances. Like, it is a joint banking account, meaning when both of those incomes hit the joint banking account, there's not a little initial saying this has a JJ on it and this has a Kate on it. Like it is a common coin to be used by both of you. Bank, exactly. Like it is not your I'll money. I'll give and her one money. more piece of advice there just on, from the married perspective. Cause I would say if there's any spending habits and things that you feel embarrassed about that you are spending money on, like whether it's how much you're going to Starbucks or how much you are shopping or how much you're, whatever it is, like just keep that in mind. Sephora. Okay. Because eventually if you share a bank account with somebody, they are going to see and you're going to have to talk about all of these things that you spend money on. And I was like, I was hoping JJ never found this one tab in one of my documents that was the my beauty budget for the wedding, like beauty and health, like stuff that I was doing pre-wedding. Like I was like, he'll never find this. It's totally fine. And one day he's in our files and, the, and he's like, what is this tab? And I was like, ah, <laughs> no. You know, something that Chad and I do when it comes to our bank accounts, because we, I actually read this in a book and I thought that's a really good idea. So when, before we got married, we had a joint checking account, right? That's where our direct deposits go in. And then we automate everything else. One of the automations though, is we each have our own separate checking account. So I have my own checking account. He has his own checking account and we call it our fun money. So one of the automations every month is a certain amount of money, equal amounts of money gets deposited into our individual fund accounts. So that way I can go get a mani-pedi. I can go on a girl's trip. I can go to Starbucks and spend that money and not feel bad or feel like I have to, you know, okay it with Chad because it's already my fun money. Chad can go buy a Michael Jordan jersey. He can go to a football game, right? JJ's like, JJ's like, please yeah. give me a 
yeah. Club. Yeah. How and much that, money he spends on golf? I'm like, holy Moses! You can buy okay. some new clubs. You can do whatever you want. It's in your fun money. So that's actually been very helpful for us because sometimes Chad will be like, "Should I get this?" And I say, "I don't know. Is it a part of your fun account?" And he goes, "It would be. A, it would be in my fun account." I say, "Whatever you want, baby. I don't care what you get." That's a nice that feeling. So. Sarah, mm-hmm. you might have been the one who gave us that advice, but we we did the same thing. Well, we don't transfer it yet to a separate account, but we do right now have a certain allotted amount for fun money. But it could be. Yeah. An and it's so thing. much easier than the opposite. Oh my it's gosh, so we're much like trying easier. to categorize by category, <laughs> so and then that we is to fun and- for all the singles listening. If you want your little gold nugget of marriage advice that is the single best thing ever yes instead of tracking your spouse's finances and judging them for how much they just blew at target just put it in their fun money account it doesn't exist and whatever you want baby that is such a good line it's perfect it's perfect um so the other thing too part of piece of advice that i want to give to singles as well yes is to start investing money now and i say this because i work with a lot of girls and so many times girls say when i get my first big job when i get a promotion when i get a raise when i when i get married then i will start investing When in reality, the power of investing starting now, starting in your earlier years is so much more than what you could ever think. There's this new TikTok trend going on and it's hashtag girl math. And it's basically girls justifying their spending habits. And it's, it's meant to be cute and quirky, but some of these things get really dangerous. And so I'm like, oh, I don't know if I like this trend very much. But one of the things that girls are saying is they say, well, if it's $5 and under, it's basically free. It's making themselves feel better about spending money on small objects. But listen to this, guys. Okay, $5 a day invested will be astronomical for you. If you start investing $5 a day from the ages of 19 to 26 and then never touch it again, by the time you retire at age 65, that one account will have over $930,000 in it. That's why when it comes to this hashtag girl math trend and they're like, $5 and under, it's basically free money, doesn't matter. I'm like, it actually matters a ton, a ton, what you do with that money. So start investing now. Don't wait for a pivotal moment in your life to start investing. Start now, meet with a financial advisor probably, (laughs) right? To get it set up the right way and you'll be good. (laughs) That's amazing. Is that Roth or... That would be IRA. There's so many ways you can invest. You can invest in a 401k, in a Roth IRA. There's also just flat out investment accounts as well too. See, the nice thing about a financial advisor is every account has different tax purposes. That's the main thing for all these different accounts. Some are taxed now, taxed later, taxed never. So that's why you want multiple different kinds of investments is really for tax purposes in the future. Yep. So good. We're on Team Roth over here. We're just Woo-hoo. like, hey, we'll take it on the front end <laughs> and we'll take it tax free on the back end, please. Thank you. Oh, uh, anything so, to reduce taxes, please. Tax free later. Yeah, I love absolutely. it. Um well this has been so good, Sarah. Like I think it's so practical. You've given the listeners so many practical things, and I think it's so challenging and good for people to see, like, hey, even if you're not in the perfect perfect financial position, like you are completely debt free right now. 
it doesn't mean you're completely eliminated from the dating process. It's right. more about, do you have a goal and do you have a plan? Like that's mm-hmm. the consistent thing you're saying, which I love because it brings hope to a lot of people. I do know, especially for men, there's a lot of guys that feel like I can't date until I'm like in the perfect financial position. And I think, yeah, I mean, if you literally have no goal and no plan of action and no income to help you there, like maybe you shouldn't be dating, but if you have a goal, if you are working towards and and you have a plan, you're working towards that, then it doesn't mean that you have to be in this. I mean, take Chad, for example, like he's, he's like, I'm rolling up with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, but I got a goal and I have a plan and this is going to happen. Like a legit plan. Like a legit plan. Like I'm not like a loosey goosey, but like, this is my actual plan. I'm actually doing it already. Right. Then you're totally cool. Like, I think that's just really important because I do think a lot of singles eliminate themselves because they're not in the perfect place yet. And yeah. so I, I really hope that encourages totally. them. Totally. I also want singles to know that your money mistakes do not define you. No matter yeah. what mistakes you've made in the past, no matter what type of credit card debt you have, no matter what your credit score is, they do not define you because Amen. again, everything is fixable. You can fix it. Sit down yeah. with a professional get on a plan and be disciplined and you will be okay. You will be okay. Amen. So good. Go listen to some Dave Ramsey episodes. I promise you, you know, there's people much worse than you (laughs) and two, it is fixable. It is fixable. You know, so Sarah, thank you so much. I mean, you were spitting some really awesome wisdom for guys and girls today. And those were so well thought out. Your three red flags and again, we're just, we respect you. We admire you and Chad so much. You guys do everything with excellence. It's no surprise that this was an excellent episode. Excellent. And we're just so grateful for and you. And literally, if you are one of those women that are in the position to, like, you have a child that could could take Sarah's course or you are in that stage of life, like definitely look at Move Her Money. Like, you guys, I'm so serious. We bought it for our team, actually, because we were like, okay, they're a bit on the younger side. And we're like, okay, this is so important. Like, we want to equip you guys right now to have a great financial future, especially on the female side. Like I'm for the guys too. But to your point, Sarah, like women often depend on getting that MRS degree or like getting married. And then, okay, then it's all figured out. And my sugar daddy can take on all my spending. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> <laughs> we and definitely do dad. not want to have that mentality. <laughs> Amen. Uh, well, I love you guys. You're doing amazing things for the kingdom and helping so many singles. Money is such an important topic. And thank you for trusting me to be here today to have this conversation with you. I'm truly honored. Oh. Amen. Thanks, Sarah. We love you, girl. <laughs> love you. <laughs> the Heart of Dating podcast is created by Kate and JJ Tomlin. Shout out to our epic audio and video editor, Scott Caro. We have an amazing Heart of Dating team who helps bring the show to you each week. I want to shout out Kelsey Napier, our Heart of Dating digital marketing coordinator, and Elena Gibson, our brand and community manager. We couldn't do it without them. Now, if you guys have never ranked us or reviewed us on iTunes or Spotify, would you consider doing that? It would mean so much because our podcast can get more discovered and more people can learn how to better date as Christians. Don't we all want that? We launch our podcast each and every week on Wednesdays. So we will see you next week.